Welcome to the City Confessions. I'm Marianne Yip, a native New Yorker, and I'm here to discuss all the thoughts that go to the minds of people living in New York City. Since I'm a native who was born and raised in a city that never sleeps, I come across people who are constantly in a rush. I would like to take a moment to sit down and talk about what's on their minds and what keeps them up at night. So sit back and let's dive into these confessions of people I know and people I just met. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of the City Confessions. Today's guest is Tara West. She is a mother of three, a former psychotherapist turned stylist, and a fashion podcaster and blogger, a go-getter, and also a survivor. So that's a lot of titles all in one. So hi, Tara. How are you? And how are you doing today? Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I follow you on Instagram, and I love everything that you do. So Thank you. When any when anybody ever introduces me and says all of those things, I think to myself, wow, that's me. <laughs> I know, right? I feel like also it's like a first question to introduce yourself. So like this is your chance. Who is Tara West? Tell us who you are. Yes. So I am a fashion stylist and a content, I say content creator because I do create a lot of content for brands and, um, you know, Instagram obviously is very important to all of our businesses right now. And I really enjoy that piece. I do have three children and we just got a puppy. (laughs) So I guess I'm a mother of four. Um, (laughs) And, you know, it's, it's great. I love what I do. I am a survivor and I'm I'm open to talking about that. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time to be able to talk about that because, you know, I think with anything, you got to do the work. And when you do the work, then you're open to admitting and confronting and all of those things. Cause I was a therapist and um, I got to say, which we can get, talk about is there's a lot of psychology in what I do. So, you know, there's a lot of psychology in being a stylist. I want to dive into the psychology behind styling because I think often what you wear is a reflection of your personality. It can go deeper into a reflection of your self-worth. So how would you, first of all, how did you get into styling? <laughs> well, I was born and raised in Los Angeles. So okay. I, I always say I was born into, into fashion. It mattered. You know, even though LA has this very like cool laid back lifestyle, fashion does really matter there. And I always just had this passion to be styling. Like ever since I was little, I would cut things out or like add something here. I can't sew, but I would try. Um, And then, you know, I really, I wasn't allowed to go to school for fashion because Mm -hmm. it was very much like going to school to be an actor. It's like everybody's doing it. And so I went to school and I decided to be a therapist because I was in therapy. My parents put me in therapy since I was three, which is like a whole nother story. Um, you know, I think they wanted me to get fixed so their problems would go away, which is a lot to put on a child. But anyways, I knew the therapy. I knew the profession so well. I figured I could do this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's interesting you say that because, you know, I'm a New Yorker and I feel like fashion is such a like a New York thing. Not that it's not in L.A. I just can't speak for it on behalf of L.A. So it's interesting that, you know, you didn't have that desire, I guess, to like move to New York to pursue that and you went to therapy instead or to pursue their therapy field yeah I would say 
as an LA, growing <laughs> up in LA, New York is a little intimidating, you know, okay. like mm-hmm. you, you, we're like beach flip-flops. Jeans. Yeah. Yeah. I loved coming to New York because it's amazing. I still love going to New York. Mm-hmm. It just, um, it was a little intimidating to me. And so when I had to decide what to do for a profession, I was like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I know therapy. I could do that. I know that job. Um, and I was way overdressed. I was probably the most dressed <laughs> therapist that you've ever No seen. such thing. <laughs> I remember my clients would comment and I think to myself, this shouldn't be a conversation. Like, I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> but I, I love that. I love your story because I feel like you definitely have a passion for fashion. And instead of going the, maybe the, the obvious route, you saw like a back door, right? And you were like, I'm still going to be in the field or contribute in some way, shape or form, but from a different perspective and bringing it, bringing therapy in is such an interesting angle. So yeah, why don't we talk about the psychology behind styling then? Yeah, so, you know, so when I had my third, when I was pregnant with my first child, I was very sick. And so you cannot sit with a therapist who says, excuse me, I need to go throw up Mm -hmm. while you're crying. That doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So I realized like I was done. I was done anyways. I had been a long time. And so when I started my business, you know, I realized there's so many things when you work with people Mm -hmm. as a stylist. First of all, everybody has one thing that they want to either cover or they're not comfortable with or maybe you have a size 14 shoe and have the hardest time finding a shoe you need custom everybody has something Mm -hmm. so to help people figure that out and make it work for them is a really big thing and I always say if you feel good about what you're wearing in the when you wake up in the morning and you get dressed and you feel good about leaving the house you're gonna have a pretty good day it's when you start trying to get dressed and things don't fit and you don't like it and you it's self-deprecating and mm-hmm. you kind of go negative and then your whole day kind of starts off on that. And that's not a great way to start mm-hmm. the day. It's so interesting. You say that I have two things that come up. Like one, I feel like the people who want to work out, you know how they say like, just buy cute workout clothes because it really does make you want to go to the gym. You're like, Oh my God, I can't wait to wear this. And it's about being comfortable in your body. And then I know this podcast is about you, but we did touch a little bit about motherhood and you know, I'm expecting, and I'm in this weird, weird phase, seeing who my new body in the mirror. And it's like, I don't know, like finding comfortable things to wear because the things that I'm currently having my wardrobe, they don't fit me. And it's not, it's not about, you know, feeling insecure in that way, but it's about finding clothes for my new body. And I'm realizing that as well. So it's all about comfort in my, in my perspective, when it comes to clothing, yeah, well, I I can relate to where you're at. It's are you showing now? Are you a not little bit? Yes, because I think the the in between part of like you're not showing exactly fitting, and maybe people know, and maybe people uh-huh. don't. I think for you, maybe more people know because of social media. Right. But like, you know, it's like this weird place to be, and and it, and your body's in a very different place than it's ever been. And so I think you just have to find things that work for you. You know, mm-hmm. nowadays they actually make really cute maternity mm-hmm. clothes. When I was first pregnant, it wasn't necessarily like that. I would like find something and try to make it cute. Um, and I think just going forward is after you have kids, and this is a lot of the people that I work with mm-hmm. is, you know, you look at your body and think, who is this? And nobody told me that this was going to happen. And mm-hmm. I thought I could fit into those jeans and I just don't ever think I will again. 
And my biggest advice, this is the biggest advice I'll give you and everybody who has a baby. When you first have your baby, fine, be comfortable, but then get out of your Lululemons, get out of your workout gear because it's a mindset. Mm. Whenever I would take my kids when they were in preschool, I'd take them to preschool. Like It was early, so I probably lived and worked out after. And then I would shower and change my clothes. You have to be in real clothes so you feel like a real human being. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. That's such a good advice for anybody, really. So I would love to know what is the biggest challenge of your career thus far? I think the challenge is, um, because I've been doing it a long time, but I think the challenge becomes more of like a social media challenge for me mm-hmm. right now because it's saturated, as you know. And it, when we first started, I don't know how long you've been doing it, but I've been doing it quite a while. And you know, it changes so often. Mm-hmm. And I think that the amount of views and this and that, and that has all changed. And how do you get that? And I think the most important thing to remember is if you love what you're creating, just keep creating. Somebody's seeing it. Mm-hmm. People are liking it. It just doesn't need to be all-encompassing. And I, I had to learn from that because during COVID, it became all-encompassing for me because I wasn't shopping, right? Nobody was mm-hmm. shopping. I couldn't go through my clients' closets. And so it became this huge thing that it was. I was trying to help stores and local brands by giving them presents on my platform because we're like an ecosystem. We all work together. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to see them go down. And I needed to maintain you know, a presence. And I think that it just became too much. It's too much to worry that much about something that you have very little control over in the end. You know, mm-hmm. we all need it. We like it. But I don't think it has to be all encompassing. No, I absolutely agree with you. And I have this conversation with my friends who are in the industry all the time about the ever-changing landscape of social media, specifically Instagram. But I know that you are, you know, in order to stand on social media, it's all about your story. And you definitely have one. And I don't know if you're comfortable sharing, but um, you have a healing background. And I am so open to bringing that onto my platform because the reason why I started this podcast is to normalize like pain, vulnerabilities, and things that I have healed from the past and have never opened up. Um, But for you, do you want to talk about like a certain moment in your childhood or just like how has that created the person you are today and how you present yourself as Tara West, you know, as a brand? Mm-hmm. Well, I am comfortable talking about it. And I, I appreciate the fact that you are open to having people speak about their stories or what they've mm-hmm. been through. I would not be here or doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for what I went through. Not that I wish that upon anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, my story is long. You can hear it. You know, I have been on podcast talk about actual the entire story, which is a long story. But You know, in a nutshell is, you know, I had an alcoholic mother who Mm -hmm. also did drugs, but I grew up in Beverly Hills, right? So I didn't, when you hear of my story, you don't think of this, this situation happening in a prominent place. And I say that because, because of that, a lot of people weren't willing to help me or to believe me Mm -hmm. because of the situation and the means that we had. So it was a reverse kind of thing where I was like, nobody would believe me because how could that happen when my mother's in diamonds and furs and, you know, but she was a train wreck and she was a very sick woman. And so I had to actually just find people who would help take care of me. And I did. And uh, long story short, I got myself into college. My, 
my goal was to get to college. I knew that if I could get to college, that I would have a ticket to a successful life. So what was that moment of a turning point when you learned to trust yourself? Because I know in moments like that, you almost lose yourself. And it's almost like, how do you come back to your inner compass and, and you're like, and be grounded? So what was that moment like? Or how did you even figure it out, especially not having your mom, you know, or, or figures to guide you through it? Yeah, or my dad. My dad wanted nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think it's a really good question. Okay, so I was a survivor. I was always surviving. I was moving from one house to another, trying to find people to help take care of me or just like a place to live. And so when you're a survivor, there has to be a part or a time in life when you stop the surviving process, where you lit, where you're not just on this constant, like, I, I got to go, I got to get, you know, maintain life, I got to get to the next point. And I would say that it probably was a, a lifelong process of trying to deal with my stuff and to trust myself. And I, I obviously cared enough about myself to take care of myself to get to a healthy place. I could have mm -hmm. taken two paths in life, let's face it. I could have gone a really bad path, which was open to me always, or to not go down that path. And I chose not to, which is amazing when I look back now that I have children, because I had no idea what I was doing. Do you know? I had no guidance, literally had no idea. But I think it was honestly when I started my business, and I started like having to put myself out there on social media and all these other things that I really had to confront myself. I had to, I had to have confidence in what I was doing and who I was and like who I was to even present myself out there because I wanted to be authentic and mm -hmm. I questioned everything that I was doing. I wanted to be confident in what I was doing. But in, in that moment or in that progress and journey of wanting to be authentic and confident, was there ever that voice that you heard that was like, mm, you know, some of my insecurities are coming back or I may be falling back to my old patterns or ways because I feel like anybody in their healing journey goes through that. And then a follow-up question is that, do you ever think we are fully ever healed? Like, can we ever be fully healed? Well, I think I love that question that you just asked because it, it is a process of did I, there were so many times in my head, I was like, what am I doing? When you are a business owner in general, when you're an entrepreneur, there's a lot of question going mm -hmm. on. There's a lot of highs, there's a lot of lows. And with that all happening, I was questioning myself and who I was and all of these things that I've gone through. And I think it only had made me stronger and really get to know myself better and for so many different reasons. And so, yes, there, I always say you have to regress to progress. And so there were times when I would regress and maybe like really doubt myself and like be really hard on myself. And then I would, I would progress. And then I knew I didn't have to go back there. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's always a process. I do, you know, my mom did, she pretty much killed herself with alcohol about mm -hmm. a year ago she passed and I really had thought that I dealt with because I hadn't talked to her in maybe 15 years when I decided to leave her home and so I had thought that I had dealt with my mom and and because I went to therapy and you know was really sad 
but I was really sad when she died. Mm -hmm. And you know, I was really sad because of the way she died. It was mm -hmm. so sad. She died with 300 bottles of wine around her. There was mm -hmm. literally, somebody didn't find her for 10 days. She had a dog that was dead on the floor. They had to go on hazmat suits to get her out. Now that alone is just mm -hmm. a sad story. Mm -hmm. It's even sadder that that was my mom. Mm -hmm. And so that was a moment in time when I was like, all right, I have grown so much, but it's okay that I'm really sad. And instead of just trying to move forward, like I always did, like a survivor, just get through it. I really let myself mourn the loss of my mom. I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm so grateful and appreciate you sharing your story. And I feel like it just shows that you are human and that part of this whole process is also honoring exactly how you feel in the moment and not be so judgmental. Because I feel like those who are on their self-development or healing process, our self-awareness is so heightened that we tend to become more easily um, judgmental towards ourselves and our actions. Because we know like what we would be able to like overcome or see the other side but it shouldn't dismiss how we're feeling currently. So I just love that you kind of made that like a normal thing. Um, well, yeah. There was also, there was always so much shame like of who my mom was. It, it wasn't me, I'm not my mom, but mm. when your mom is that, there's a lot of shame. It, it just, there is, I don't know how to describe it any other way. And the way she died, somebody could look at it and say, that's really shameful, but I think it's just really sad. And that's mm. growth for me in a nutshell, mm. because I wasn't shameful. I cannot control who she was and what she was sick with. All I can do is handle how I deal with it and how I grow from and, and be proud of myself for not being that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we, if anybody who's listening or watching have gone to therapy or goes to therapy, we all know that more often than not, a lot of our problems stems from our childhood. And it's about reframing those narratives and kind of constructing our own future and our own reality and not being, you know, defined by our past. And your story is exactly a great example of that. So I love hearing that. I want to, you know, go a little on the, I don't want to say brighter side, but like make it more lighter and fun. Yeah. So what has been the biggest accomplishment so far? What was that moment where you were like, oh, I am so proud of myself? <laughs> well, I think there's been a lot. First of all, having kids and like raising good people. Mm -hmm. I'm really, I'm, I love my kids. I love hanging out with them. They're super fun and they're hysterical. And um, so I would say that that right there is a huge moment for business, you know, when I would first get any kind of deal or anything, I mean, I would cry in the car. So how proud yeah. of I couldn't believe, like, oh my God, I'm really doing this. I wanted to do this forever. Mm -hmm. And recently I was just on um, NBC 10 here in mm -hmm. Boston. And so I felt like that was a pretty proud moment. And I, you know, I talked to myself all the way there in the car. I was like, Tara West, you cannot be nervous. <laughs> you know, I've done a lot of, if you see my Instagram, I do a lot of video and a lot mm -hmm. of talking with it but it's different for live tv and so you know i got in the car and i was like all right that was pretty cool I'm, mm -hmm. you know that's a big deal so mm -hmm. that was exciting i love hearing that because i think um when i interview a lot of guests they become very shy or dis dismiss their achievements or they're like oh or play it play it down i guess 
And I think it's so important to just like celebrate, especially the small wins, because if anything, the small wins are what matters more or they are the stepping stone to like the big, 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 you know, accomplishment. So the fact that you get excited for like basically anything that comes your way is amazing. And, you know, when I saw your bio, I was like, Tara West has so many hats. And again, I'm not a mom yet, but like my sister's a mom of two and she is so overwhelmed. She just gave birth in August. So it's like, how on earth are you balancing it all? And does balance exist or is it just this myth that we are always trying to achieve? No, you know, I think balance happens. Yes, it's uh, both my husband and I are entrepreneurs. So it's definitely a, a balancing act. Um, but, you know, I think it's really good for our kids. I'm going to just speak from our family and my kids that they see us working and that they see that nothing is nothing comes easy. And we all have to work together. They have to work together to, to make this household run and they have to take responsibilities. And yes, have I missed some things here and there? I have, I'm not a bad mom, it happens, you know, but they understand and we're just real. This is real life. Like they know the value of a dollar. They have seen our businesses grow. I shared with them when I was on TV. You know, it's like, I'm not bragging to them. I just want them to, they know they live in our house. They understand what goes on. And so I think that balancing is all, it's really like the hardest part is getting everybody to everything that they need to get to, but uh -huh. we do it. And so, but we have fun. I mean, you know, they, they make fun of me. So <laughs> they're like, mom, you fall asleep. Like literally the fastest. I yeah. <laughs> like you try to act like you're involved by like, acting. I'll wake up and be like, that's so funny. They're like, but you know, it's just, it, it is a balancing act. I think it can all work. I think it's just, you got to be real. Like this is real. And we're not trying to pretend here or like uh, take away any adversities here. Like this is what it is. Mm -hmm. And how would you define a success? Success, I think, is honestly really being okay with yourself, like bringing it back to what we've been talking about. For me, honestly, is that success is that I'm okay with who I am and what I'm doing and that it doesn't matter what other people think or want you to do. Obviously, you in the world that we're in with like, you know, social media and all this, you want to obviously have people that are interested in what you're doing, but that's very different mm -hmm. than doing what people want you to mm -hmm. do. Be you, be the best that you can be and, you know, follow your passions because honestly, like, I can't believe that I'm doing what I'm doing sometimes because I, that's been my passion forever and now it's my job. So I think as long as you're happy doing what you're doing, and I'm sure you feel the same way about what you're doing, mm -hmm. if you love it, it doesn't really necessarily feel like work. Yeah, you mentioned the word happy, and I was going to ask, like, are you happy? And do you think happiness is a realistic goal to have on a daily basis? Yeah, I think I am very happy. I Are there days I'm not that happy? Of course, that's life. I mean, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes things are really hard. But in general, I I wake up every day. I come home. My kids come home. They're, they have a consistent life, and I never had a consistent life. And I think that consistency is key in whatever way it is for anybody. But for me, and I think for a lot of people, that makes people happy. It doesn't mean that it has to be the same every single day. It just means 
there's no draw. I didn't know when I was little. I didn't know what I was going to come home to. I didn't know what was going to go on. I didn't know if the police were going to be. I mean, like, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. And that does not that's not my world. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy about that. And, and not that I think about it all the time, mm-hmm. but I, I think I'm happy because I live a whole different way than I ever was raised. Totally. I love that you mentioned consistency because I think you also mentioned a really good point that consistency can exist without having like the same routine. Because sometimes I feel like consistency and routine kind of seem similar. But what you're saying is having a consistent maybe lifestyle or like expectation or just a form of stability, but that can also look different on a day-to-day basis because that's just life, right? You can't have the same thing every single day. No, and that's actually why I love that I don't work in an office. Because Me too. <laughs> and I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure we're very similar in that way because I don't know. Some days I wake up, it's a totally different day. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing the same thing mm-hmm. every day. I love that. Mm-hmm. But you're consistent in your work ethic. It may be how you show up and, you know, being productive. So I love that you mentioned that. It's such a good point to have. Okay, so my podcast is called The City Confessions. And after I, you know, give the opportunity for my guests to share their beautiful story, I love for them to also share a city confession. And I want to preface this by saying that there is no right or wrong, good or bad. It's however you, Tara, receive the question. And some of the questions that I feel like can help with answering that is like, what is mis- what is one misconception you think people have of you since you are, you know, on social media or like a fun fact or just like something that you'd be surprised or people would be surprised to hear about you. So however you receive it. But what is your city confession? Well, I think, I mean, kind of just going on what we said is a lot of the reason why I started to tell my stories, because I think when we see social media and we see people happy or the, and they're posing in these clothes or, or for mm-hmm. me, whatever I'm doing, that there is a backstory and that it's not all what it just seems that's what's mm-hmm. being said to you. Like there are people that, like I have got, I have a story. It's more than just showing, you know, Derek Lamb, which I love clothes. <laughs> but um, so, so there's more to the person and to what's being presented. And I think that especially for younger kids, it's important to know that, that there's depth and there's a story and it's not just all this easy, easy creation that's popping into your face. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've been pretty transparent with your story. Has your followers responded, you know, well to that? And do they come to you basically, obviously for fashion, but also the fact that you are relatable, you're real and a great example? Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of people come to me for all of those reasons. I think there's a lot of uh, people who want to be stylists and they come to me because I am relatable and also because I I make it known that it's just not that easy when you're starting to be a stylist. There's a lot of grunt work. I mean, there is a lot of grunt work in the profession anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think my followers trust me. I also, it's funny. We'll go on vacation and people will say, Oh, I follow you. Um, sometimes your things are a little more expensive, <laughs> which is true. but, but they're like, but I like the way that you styled it mm-hmm. or I like that you're only five, two, because me you too. <laughs> Yeah. you know people think that I'm taller than mm-hmm. I am the photographer mm-hmm. or and so you know 
that I think I love to hear that. I want to be relatable. I am relatable. It was one time I, when I first started, I had an intern working for me and she said, you know, one of my friends asked me if you're happy. And I was like, why? She's like, cause you never smile in your picture. <laughs> now, when I started, camp, I didn't think like, you know, you don't know what you're doing. So yeah, I thought yeah. I like the serious pose. And I That's like, how I was too. Yeah. Yeah. That's great feedback. I mean, no, I'm like, you know me, I'm like, the happiest mm-hmm. person she's like I know I just what I was telling you so I, it made me change I love that so as we are heading towards of uh, winter what are your top three styling advice for I don't know anybody who's looking to kind of spice up their wardrobe well you know I love cords and there's some really cute corduroys right now from Victoria Beckham to even Veronica Beard has really cute ones free people always has great cords I always have to get them hemmed because I'm mm-hmm. on a short yeah same <laughs> you probably um there's great puffer jackets coming okay. so those are still in right because th- that was like a huge thing last year as well yeah and now there's like cropped ones that are so cute and you're gonna need to get something that's gonna have some room to <laughs> yeah but still you can get a little bit of a defined coat where you see your little belly um and obviously boots I'm a huge it's so funny because I grew up in LA but I love <laughs> the jacket I think it's because I wasn't used to like wearing so many layers right um and just I love the layering look and I think Me it's too. really fun and you know I love a big good beanie and okay wait speaking of layering what is the secret to not making yourself look like a Oompa Loompa (laughs) (laughs) well I think like today I'm wearing a sweater but underneath I have a bodysuit on like a tank top so I think if you can get some thin layers in there you won't look as bulky okay got it I actually really love like a belt around a jacket for the definition Mm. of waist I think that that can be really nice a lot of Brands do that, like Montclair, um, yeah. they all have that. But even if you just grab your own belt and throw it around your puffer jacket, it's so cute. I love that. You make me excited now. I'm willing to go shopping. <laughs> okay, so I know you're based in Boston, but you have a lot of New York City clients. And I end each episode with a fire round of New York City questions. You answer it with the first word that comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay so what is your favorite thing about new york city shopping what's your least favorite thing uh traffic if you can describe new york city in one word what would it be fabulous what is your go-to spot for anything yeah no like more like food wise food wise uh el molino okay and if you can thank new york city for one thing what would it be for the shopping (laughs) When you don't understand, Boston's very limited. Uh-huh. Send me to New York all the time to shop. And I love it because when I go to Bergdorf's and I walk in, I find it's like, oh, <laughs> everything is there. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So now is your chance to plug away. I'm going to have all of your information in the show notes. So whoever is listening or watching, be sure to expand on that. But Tara, are you working on any secret projects or what can the world be on the lookout for from you in the next month even though I feel like 2021 is over or just the next year well there is a lot of holiday things coming so if you guys follow me at on Instagram Tara West Fashion I'm doing a lot of collaborations with um stores like Dior and Valentino um here in Boston so that will be on there and um some holiday guides I know I can't believe I'm talking about holiday but I've literally already started in 
doing <laughs> holiday shopping. Um, and my blog on tarawestfashion.com will have a holiday list, but weekly I post, you know, some great outfits, some new brands. I'm always showcasing new brands. I love to help new people get seen because there's so many designers that people don't know about. Mm -hmm. And it's so exciting to me when they're, when I can show people the, the stuff. Um, and then I have a podcast, which is called Shorts with Tara and Jill. Mm -hmm. And it's a shorter version of a podcast. Mm -hmm. You never have time to listen to a full yeah. one. It's only 10 minutes. And it's just fun business and fashion. I love it. I'm so happy we are connected because I always feel like the universe, you know, brings two people together in any type of like path or reason. And I'm so happy I discovered you. I can't wait to go on your page to look at fall fashion, winter fashion, winter's holiday guides. I would like to take a moment now to just send you gratitude. And thank you so much for being on my podcast and taking time out of your busy day because I know your schedule is insane. <laughs> and for those listening, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to follow Tara. And with that being said, I'll see you all in the next week's episode. Thank you, Tara. Thank you. All right, bye.